two. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. WBT. All right, joining me is Dr. Chris Cooper. He is the Robert Lee Madison Distinguished Professor and Director of the Public Policy Institute at Western Carolina University. And uh, I do not know, how do you fit that on a business card? I don't know. Chris Cooper, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. And luckily, nobody has business cards anymore, so That's it's true. a problem that just sort of solves itself. That is so true. Now they just—I uh, I ran across somebody. They had one. Of, they had a—it was like a, a metal plate of a QR code. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've and they, you should get a sponsorship from those folks for just mentioning it. I should. That's true. Brilliant. You're brilliant. All right. So um, let's talk a little bit about the election. Uh, first off, um, I noticed on your Twitter uh, feed uh, you. you you had some uh, some choice words for Mecklenburg County here over uh, over our turnout. What 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 gives? Yeah, I also said some really nice things. I said that I love the Whitewater Center. I love Heist Beer. I love uh, all, I love the Thirsty Beaver. Who doesn't? But I didn't love the turnout number. So it was about forty four percent of registered voters showed up and voted in Mecklenburg County. So not exactly knocking the top out in Mecklenburg County. It was down statewide, but Mech was a was really pretty low on the list. Yeah. Why do you think that is uh, it, that it was down statewide and, and maybe specifically Mecklenburg County? I mean, I voted in Mecklenburg County, and I can tell you there weren't a lot of choices. You know, I, I mean, there's just not a lot of choices. Uh, there, it's basically a whole bunch of unopposed Democrats, one or two Republicans in a crowded field for like an, you know four at-large seats or something. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I think that's part of it. I also think, look, we can talk all we want about how Trump is always on the ballot, but the reality is I looked at my ballot and Trump was not on the ballot. Did, whoa, wait, hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you see democracy, at least? Was that on the I, ballot? I, no, you know, I didn't see democracy on the ballot with a capital or a lowercase d. Weird. So know, weird. It's, I live in Jackson County. Things are strange out there. Well, let's, but, uh, yeah, let, sorry, hang on. Let me ask you about Jackson County, because I just saw something else that you had said earlier about uh, the Mountain Democrats. So these are, are, are they all gone now? Mountain Democrats? This, uh, this, that's, uh, what are the Heath Schuler model? Yeah, well, Heath Schuler's left the state, so he is technically actually <laughs> gone as well. So it does look like the Heath Schuler model is gone. So what we're seeing in Western North Carolina is what we're seeing really in the rest of the state, which is the blue areas are getting bluer, the red areas are getting redder, and the purple areas are getting fewer and farther between. So I just looked at, Every Western North Carolina county has counted up every race that went on last night, and it looks like the Democrats won seven, right? So that's across, you know, 14 counties, multiple races, like 187 races, the Democrats won seven. And I should say one with an asterisk. One is one vote currently. The other one, one of the others is six votes. So it could be as few as five victories out of 187 everywhere except Buncombe County, of course, home of Asheville where the Democrats won everything and by a bigger margin than they have in the past. So we're just sort of sorting even more. Which feeds this delusion, I think, in Asheville, among a lot of folks on the left, that, that they can direct the, uh, the, the outcomes for, uh, for the, the wider Western North Carolina area, that they're so, you know, because they, they vote so blue uh, so consistently that they can, you know, they can like uh, negate all of the other red votes in the sea of red that surrounds them. <laughs> I don't understand where that comes from. No, you're right. And, you know, in some ways I've always compared it to, well, not always, but in the last few years I've compared it to Western Colorado, right? Lauren Boebert sort of represents this, you know, Durango, Colorado, which is a pretty liberal area, and then a bunch of 
red around it, although it does look like somehow the Democrats might have actually taken out Lauren Boebert. So yeah. that's sort of interesting, but you're right. The Asheville vibe is very much the rest of the region will follow them, and there's just not enough folks who live in Asheville. Well, and it has happened. I remember doing this analysis uh, for Charlotte, oh gosh, probably almost 20 years ago now, looking at the uh, in-migration, out-migration uh, out around Charlotte and seeing this very dynamic play out. Because back then, I mean, 20 years ago, there were there was a, re- a Republican majority on county commission. There was a near majority on city council. We had a Republican mayor. And now there are no Republicans virtually at any level of local government. And you go to the surrounding counties, though. Oh, look at all the Republicans. <laughs> and then the Democrats have a hard time. And I think what was it? Mac McCorkle, who uh, wrote the piece a couple of months back about the country politan problem that Democrats have. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I love that piece. Um, right. Talking about places like Union County. But you're exactly right. And what I consider is not that recent past. And Pete and I are the same age. So I know he considers it not that far away. No. Republicans actually won in Mecklenburg County. They actually won in Buncombe County. In some of the rural counties, the Democrats actually did well. And we've seen just complete flip. It's just a movement into tiny pockets of blue, which are populated heavily, and big swaths of red, which are sparsely populated. Does that pose long-term problems for the Republican Party? I think it probably does pose some long-term problems for the Republican Party, but also some for the Democrats. So I'm not trying to make everybody mad at me at the same time, but I think there's something to hate in that sentence for everybody. If you are a Democrat, you're going to continue to lose things like county commissions, right? you got some of these counties that everybody has the same, everybody's governed by a county, but some counties are big, some counties are small, and there's way more counties that are red than blue. So if you're a Democrat, you care about representation at the county commission level, sorry, you're probably out of luck. Also, I think it poses some real problems for the Republican Party. We know that in-migrants and people who are coming to the state are more likely to be blue. We know that young people are a little more likely to be blue. And so the Republicans have something they don't like in that sentence as well. And so um, what of the uh, the impact on redistricting? Uh, you were one of the expert witnesses in some of these redistricting lawsuits. Um what, what then, how do you draw districts when you've got one group of people that's clustering so heavily in the cities and then other people that are all spread out all over uh, the state? Yeah, that's right. So I think there's two things at play at the same time. I think the fight is over which one is bigger and how much of an effect. But everybody should acknowledge, I hope everybody acknowledges, there's two things at play here. One is geographic clustering. The other is redistricting or gerrymandering. And I think the fight is really over how much of an effect each one of those has. And really, those court cases, I mean, essentially, look, you take away all the hundreds and hundreds of pages of testimony, different things that people wrote, and really, that's the argument. One side says, look, yeah, there's a little bit of gerrymandering, but A, you guys did it too, and we think it's more about clustering. And the other side is saying, yeah, clustering matters, but really, it's also much more about the way you're drawing those lines. All right, so uh, any major surprises besides the turnout uh, in Mecklenburg? Any other major surprises uh, that you saw yesterday in North Carolina or elsewhere? You know, uh, the Bo Hines um, Wiley nickel race, I wouldn't say is a surprise. We called it competitive for a reason. But I would say in a year where the Republicans did well for Wiley nickel to not just win, but, you know, win and it's over. And Bo Hines conceded, and we don't have to wait for a recount, and we don't have to wait for canvas. So the size of Wiley Nichols 
victory did surprise me a little bit. Not that he won, but how much he won by. Um, other than that, it went pretty much the way we expected it to. So that's the funny thing about American politics now. The actual voting patterns are pretty boring. Yeah. Uh, I spoke earlier with um, Stephen Wiley, the mm-hmm. caucus director for the North Carolina House, uh, and he talked about this anti-Trump coalition that sort of grew up in 2008 that formed it, or sorry, 2018 that formed in 18. And then uh, he said that we they still saw some of those remnants. Is that something that uh, and he says that, you know, it's going to take some time to get to the precinct level data to look through it all. Um, but it, 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 he's essentially making the argument that uh, that, the you know, Trump, while not on the ballot, that coalition of anti-Trumpism still exists and is still taking it out on Republican candidates. I think that is true. I think what it didn't do, and Steve Wiley's a smart guy and knows the data very well, so I think the point is, of course, correct. I think what the anti-Trump movement didn't reach to this time was your people that are sometimes on the couch and sometimes vote. So, yes, I think he's correct that there were a few, you know, the very few swing voters that could go either way or just mad enough at Trump. Maybe they went and voted for some Democrats, and that's what kept perhaps the Republicans from getting the true supermajority, although they'll argue they have a, quote, working supermajority. So, yeah, I think that is certainly at play, but still the fact that the turnout's down tells me Trump wasn't inspiring any new people to come out and, you know, vote against him or for him. Or for him, yeah. Um, All right, uh, Dr. Chris Cooper. Oh, I also want to thank you for amplifying the term votainer today. Uh, we will take all uh, the foot soldiers in the Army that we can get to make Votainer happen. So I appreciate that. I'm happy to help. It is the superior term. In fact, I've... I will give it to you if you want to make it yours. Like, if you want to claim credit for it, I'm totally fine with that, too. Because, I, like, I just want to make sure that it, it, it succeeds. You know, and if I don't care who gets the credit, it's amazing what we can accomplish. So, if, like, if you want to do it, you want to take the ball and run with it, I will totally give it to you. Look, I appreciate it. That's pretty on brand for you. I have a peak calendar bumper sticker that does say that you're a giver. It's true. But in this case, I'm going to give you full credit. This is a peak calendar copyrighted production. All righty, all right. See, I'm trying to give it away because I'm like, it's. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere with it. But no, no, we had a big milestone today. We had an actual doctor, uh, an actual PhD, use it on Twitter. So thank you for that, Chris. I do appreciate you amplifying that. And thanks for your time today. I appreciate your insight. Great to talk to you always. All right, take care. That's Dr. Chris Cooper from Western Carolina. Thanks again to Dr. Chris Cooper for joining me. Do appreciate it. Mm. Oh, and thank you here, uh, Austin, who tweets at Pete Callender. Great show so far. Thank you for focusing so much on state politics with one seat short of super majority in the House. Will PPP repeal and constitutional carry be possible in the new session next year? That's a good question. I don't know of any Democrats. Uh, I don't know of any Democrats in the House that would go along with the repeal of the pistol purchase permit uh, system. It's a gun issue. And Democrats on guns, they get really squirrely, you know. Uh, So I don't know. It's possible they could find, I mean, think about it. They just need to find one that would override the veto. And maybe they find one. The other thing is, uh, one of the the things, Speaker Moore 
of the House, Tim Moore of the House, and Phil Berger of the Senate, the, the president pro tem of the Senate, they did a news conference uh, just before I got on the air here at noon. And they mentioned again that it, I think they called it like a, a – what they call it? Some sort of a majority. Oh, what's the word that they were using? And they're saying it's a vote-by-vote vote basis. Oh, a functioning supermajority. So the the Senate has one. By the numbers, it's got the 60% of the seats. It's got the 30 out of 50 seats. Done. Over on the House side, you keep hearing this term functioning supermajority. And uh, they talk about a vote-by-vote vote basis. What this means is Democrats have to show up every day. Every Democrat in the House is going to have to show up to work. And if they don't show up to work one day, they lose that seat, and then Republicans are going to be able to force a vote. Do you remember the budget override vote when Deb Butler lost her ever-loving mind, screaming and ranting and raving, I will not yield, Mr. Speaker, how dare you? You remember her? Because the Demo- or the Republicans told the Democrats, we will override the governor's veto, and we are going to seek any opportunity to do so. You better show up for every vote. Then uh, there was some communication about uh, what the calendar was going to look like, and the Republican leadership told the Democrat leader, Darren Jackson, who, by the way, just lost his judgeship to Michael Stadding. Congrats to Judge Stadding, by the way, from Mecklenburg County, going to the Court of Appeals. Um Darren Jackson, there was some miscommunication. Darren Jackson told all of his caucus, all the Democrats, don't come into work today. You could do whatever. So all the Democrats went over across the street and they were working on the legislative maps. They were gerrymandering themselves some maps, which they were not allowed to do, but they did anyway. Nobody ever cared. And then the Republicans come into session and they're like, oh, where are all the Democrats? Jason Sane from Lincoln County. He does a head count and he's like, make a motion that we override the veto. At which point, Democrats lose their minds, and Deb Butler starts ranting and raving, and the House votes for it, and it overrides the veto. By the way, the kicker on all of that was that had the Democrats actually just known the rules, they could have just walked out. Had they walked out, then there would not have been a quorum present, and no votes could be taken. But because she had to rant and rave like a lunatic, she allowed the override vote to occur. And just want to throw this in because anytime you mention this story, there are a bunch of lefties that are misinformed. I think the Russians put all of this disinformation on their Facebook pages. No, the Democrats were not at a 9-11 memorial, okay? They were across the street working on gerrymandering some maps. Oh, speaking of losing minds, um, Scott Huffman lost his uh, challenge against Congressman Dan Bishop. Which is really surprising. He was super confident, super confident going into it yesterday. Um, Dan Bishop was on Twitter and responded to a Vox.com story. Vox, which is the the lefty publication that uh, brought, uh, that birthed into this world explanatory journalism. Which is, we're going to tell you what to think about things. Vox. And they did a story, we won't know all the midterm results on election night, and that's normal. Let us explain to you why. Several states, including key swing states, may not be called on election night. That's normal. Here's what to expect, blah, blah, blah. So Dan Bishop tweeted this article out and said, 
Delayed results and issues with vote counting are signs of severe dysfunction. It should be scorned, not normalized. And by the way, there are better ways to do this. You saw Florida, right? Florida, what are they, third biggest uh, uh, state in the country? Third? Fourth? Second? No. California, New York, Texas, and then maybe Florida. So fourth, third, or fourth. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's got a lot of people, right? A lot of people in Florida. And in 2000, Florida became the laughing stock of election day politics and, and, and media coverage and has been for years because of the hanging chad, right? The hanging chad. These were the paper ballots and people would push through or they had machines that would push through this little, you know, perforated cutout. And, and they did so many recounts that now the chads were starting to kind of fall off of the cards. And so they were, it was becoming harder and harder to discern whether somebody had actually punched the ticket or not. It was so bad. The 2000 election was so bad. You had Al Gore out there challenging all of the results, wanting to count these ballots, but not those ballots, right? Went to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said, no, you got to stop counting ballots at some point. You either do it all or you don't. You can't, you can't just keep it open for these certain kinds of ballots, whatever. And so that's why Democrats think that they had the election stolen from them. <gasps> Deniers. And Florida went about reforming its election system. And we, what did we see last night? It worked. Their election system for one of the most populous states in America, their election system works quite well. Way better than these swings. I mean, Arizona's, there are people in Arizona, they need to lose their jobs, like immediately, for the way that they still cannot carry out an election that doesn't just stink and doesn't uh, uh, doesn't foment discord and accusations of conspiracies and fraud. People have no confidence in, in Arizona elections. Pennsylvania, too. The only reason election integrity isn't happening and better systems aren't in place is because people do not want them. There is no other explanation at this point. If Florida can do it, Everybody can model themselves off of Florida. There are other operations out there as well. The redo voting as well. There are systems that exist. They do exist. Anyway, Scott Huffman, he went on to Twitter and replied to Dan Bishop. He said, that's hell of a spin there, Dan. For years, we have never known the actual count until the official results are issued. I look forward to the official tally of how bad I kick your bleep tonight. Scott Huffman promising to kick Dan Bishop's posterior. What did Bishop, what was that, like, was it like a 30-point landslide he won by? I think it was something like that. It was brutal. Better luck next election, Scott. I know we'll see you again. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I want to welcome a former colleague of mine, uh, Mark Starling. He is the morning guy up at uh, WWNC Radio in Asheville and uh, uh, did election coverage last night. He uh, had me, he was kind enough to have me on his program, so I feel quid pro quo. I'll have him on mine. What the heck? Uh, so so uh, did you get any sleep uh, at all from your late night and uh, early morning? 62 minutes, Look I at believe, you. is the amount of sleep I got. Nice. 
So when he is not battling uh, screaming naked people out in front of his apartment, he is uh, seeing them walk the streets of Asheville. I know because he has sent me footage. Um, yes, it's quite a weird place nowadays. It's got so it has gotten it has gotten crazier. You think it, it has definitely gone up a couple of notches. You know they like to keep things spicy here in Asheville, <laughs> and as opposed to you know keeping the crazy behind closed doors. We just put it all out in the street now yeah. and just let everybody. It's kind of like a, a public art installation, if you will. Yeah. For, every, for everybody to observe. Yeah, it's performance art. That makes It's like the Blue Man Group without the paint. Yeah. yeah, there was a guy doing performance art in front of my uh, apartment a few weeks ago. He ended up with uh, three days in jail for it. <laughs> nice. Well, you're okay, though. Nothing he did to you. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. He just decided that he didn't want to have his clothes on, and that it was, mm. you know, it was a good time for him to do things for himself, and uh, he happened uh, to be 2.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday. Ah, took advantage of himself, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was a, definitely an HR issue, if you so, will. <laughs> uh, so, which is actually kind of surprising that, that, you know, pulling a Jeffrey Tubin on the streets in Asheville, that that actually does get the police to the call, or or detention in a facility of some kind, let alone a jail. I mean, that's that's surprising to me at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, normally it's... Uh, we actually had a good one the other day. Well, I say good. Uh, a guy was on the uh, the main campus property for the, the Central School Board in Asheville mm-hmm. and decided to fire a couple of rounds into a car. No. Oh. Was arrested and was out within like an hour. Wow. Yeah. Is Todd Williams still the DA up there? I guess that would be a magistrate's call. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's the magistrate. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've, we've been battling it here for, I, I mean, you know, you were here. We were battling it here then. We just didn't realize to what degree it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where we are now. Yeah. I, you know, after, after last night's election, I don't see anything changing because our sheriff is uh, fairly feckless and he won't. He doesn't answer questions or do press, you know, press junkets or anything like that. Refuse to do a debate, um, and he's. Uh, we, we've gotten, you know, we've had, we've talked to people that work in that arena, and said that uh, when he arrives to work in the morning, walks right past his deputies and instead goes and greets the inmates. <laughs> <laughs> well. Oh, that's you know our sheriff here. He calls them residents. He does not like to call them inmates. Oh, oh, see, actually, we call them clients. Oh my God! Yeah, that's what he calls them as clients. And if I'm not mistaken, if you have a client, generally that means that you work for them. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, the sheriff is working for the inmates. Well, you know, the clients are always right. I've heard. <laughs> Gosh. Hey, and if you're a criminal. I mean, that's a really good spot to be in, right? Right. Surely, well, no, surely the criminal would never take advantage of that situation in the jail. No. No. No, 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 no. So. Yeah, it's, a, it's a wild situation. Yeah. It's, well, and it's emblematic of other sheriffs across. Uh, you could be in, uh, so I'm having a bit of a running di- uh, a running contest, although I think we're probably going to win now because uh, in Raleigh, they got a pretty awful sheriff too, but he lost his primary, I think, Ger- Gerald Baker, right? I think he lost his primary, and so. Uh, I've been having a running debate with uh, the morning guy up there, Casey O'Day, about uh, who has the worst sheriff. And he won 
after, you know, the sheriff got uh, or sheriff's deputy was killed and the sheriff then like reassigned a bunch of people out of his unit and all of this. And then uh, they just did the then there was like the the shooting uh, and then the reaction that the sheriff had after that. So he definitely they have the worst sheriff, I think, so far. But now that he's out, um, right, we can go. I mean, we can make it our contest now. We could go head. We could go head to head on this one. I yeah. think we could have. I think we could have a pretty good a battle royale, if you will. Well, and there's the guy out east who uh, who's been using all the racial slurs, and they fired him. Right, he had to res- or resigned or something, and then he just won again last night. Was it Green County or something? The I, I it, think that was. I think it was Green County. Yeah. So I will throw that guy in the mix too. Why not? Yeah. Um, all right. So I got to ask you. So you had a what a socialist incumbent mayor running against a communist city council member for the mayorship. How'd that turn out? So we had a yeah incumbent mayor Esther Manheimer, who is I mean she is definitely far left progressive, um, and uh, she actually pulled out a win with a uh, just over fifty. Um, she won with just over ten percent. I think it was mm-hmm. uh, over uh, Kim Roney who is a self-avowed, I mean, she, she won't call herself a communist, but she's definitely all in love with communism. Right. Like, you well, know. because, well, you can't be a, re- a true communist because it's never been tried, right? Right. So well, it's re- real communism has never been tried. So maybe that's right. the, maybe that's the distinction there. So, oh, interest. So, I mean, that is kind of surprising that the, uh, 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 the commie did not win uh, the Asheville mayor's race because I thought by now that that uh, that anarchist LARPer uh, base I thought by now they would have they they would have been able to uh, uh, to influence the city races. Well, you know, Kim Roney, who's the councilwoman, she'll still retain her seat on council, so she will continue to hold the rest of the council hostage ah. to, to do her bidding. You know, because now there's payback because you see the other five members of the Asheville City Council. They all endorse the incumbent mayor, so now there's going to be hell to pay from Kim Roney. Gosh, you hate to see it. I, you know, it's 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 almost like the snake eating itself. <laughs> it's the it's it's circular firing squad. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And then, of course, we got the, you know two bond initiatives. We're going to borrow seventy million dollars that we don't have. Uh, for what they call affordable housing, and I'm not sure if uh, you guys have got this, but yep. soon for a thousand dollars a month, you're going to be able to rent a 200 square foot box that seven that uh, sits in a seven story building in the heart of uh, what is like the crack district in uh, downtown Asheville. Nice. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's really, it's really amazing what they're doing up here. I hear it's- good things about government housing. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it's it's pretty incredible that 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 a bond initiative would pass no less would it pass with 70% support. Yeah. Well, and the irony there is that when the uh when the taxes have to be paid to pay off the bonds uh to pay for all that spending, uh the first people who are going to get hit are going to be the renters because that's where you will see the tax increase, the property tax increases come. The renters will get that immediately, at least the homeowners get like a a bit of a year before it gets rolled into their mortgage, but uh yeah, good job, everybody. Yeah, yeah. They were estimating it'll be about forty to fifty dollars per year per taxpayer uh, moving forward for the next thirty years to pay this off. Yeah. Well, that's why we always say the number one export of Buncombe County is its youth. Well, uh, that's exactly it. Yeah. I would just say. Yeah. Mark Starling, Morning Guy, WWNC in uh, Asheville. Thanks for your time, buddy. Appreciate it. 
you got to take care of people. All right, man, get some sleep. Uh, that <laughs> Mark Starling. Talk 1110-993-WBT. All righty, so let's get into some of the uh, some of the national stuff, shall we? What the heck was going on yesterday? <laughs> uh, I am curious what your uh, what your hot take is on all of this. What what did we just see? I got a pretty good idea, as you can probably imagine, after the last uh, you know hour and a half or so of these interviews. I've been talking to people and uh, conversating with various folk from uh, around the state uh, over the last you know, 24, 48 hours. And North Carolina did pretty well. It did for Republicans. North Carolina did pretty well. North Carolina, I, I mean, almost, gosh, except for um, Florida— I'm kind of hard-pressed to find a different state that had a better showing than we did for Republicans. Ohio, maybe, right? They sent J.D. Vance, and uh, they reelected Mike DeWine. But other than that, I mean, North Carolina had, what, six or seven? I forget what the number is now, but uh, statewide races that all went for Republicans. They took back a supermajority in the Senate. It came one vote shy of a supermajority in the House. So that seemed to be overall a pretty good showing. What other state did Republicans perform this well in? And then the question's got to be why, right? What has been going on in these other states? I will tell you, like some of my, some of my, uh, uh, my rules here are, like number one, elections are about what media make them. Elections are about what media make them. Media wanted this election to be about abortion. Just like in uh, Barack Obama's re-election campaign in 2012, he had a bad economy. No president had ever won re-election with an economy as bad as Obama's, and he won. You know why? Nobody focused on the economy. Mitt Romney was stumping, giving all of these speeches about the economy, and nobody cared. The The media would not report it. Media wouldn't talk about the numbers. Media talked about killing Big Bird, talked about binders of women, talked about dogs pooping on tops of cars, and talked about haircuts and such. This time around, it's about our democracy and abortion. Non-stop. The problem, the difference, I would say, between now and back in 2012 was that you can't hide the gas prices. You can't hide the inflationary costs, the pressures on people's budget. You just It's, it's impossible to mask this. Now, that being said, voters voters saw the conditions and they decided, I mean, think about this. They looked at Republican candidates. Oh, so one of the other truisms here, one of my other rules is aside from elections are about what media make them, is that candidates matter, right? Candidates matter. And by the way, I've been saying that long before Mitch McConnell made his comment, whatever that was about, you know, quality candidates or whatever. Candidates matter. Good ones, bad ones, ones that uh, have a long reputation in a district. Is it a good reputation, bad reputation, all of these things, right? That being said, uh, you've got you've got people, voters who went to the, the polling stations 
And when presented with a choice between Democrats who have been the architects of our economic malaise and Republicans, they chose the status quo. They said, yes, more of this, please. Harder, daddy. Yeah, that's what they said. I I cannot explain it. It It is a mindset that is foreign to me. But they chose it. There, there are people that want more of this. All right. What do you think? Let me go over here to Jim. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pete. Hey. What's up? I didn't trust the so-called red wave. There's not enough red out there for a wave, Pete. And for the life of me, Pete, I don't understand why 5 million people walking across the border, either last year and the last two years, why that isn't a bigger uh, topic, except that Abbott and I think maybe even the Arizona governor uh, or somebody in Arizona. Yeah, Ducey. Yeah, was shipping those people to New York, Martha's Vineyard, Mm -hmm. D.C., and that acted as a counter- in other words, it drove the blue, not the red. Well, and, and one of the gov- one of the other governors that did that was Ron DeSantis, and Abbott and DeSantis just had huge victories yesterday. They did, but Pete, there's 48 other states, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's not enough registered R's for a red wave. Well, you don't need to, but hang on, Jim, don't get hung up on the registration numbers because in a lot of states you don't need to be registered as a member of the party. Like North Carolina, you can vote in either primary. I'm unaffiliated. So, uh, you know, people can, yeah, so unaffiliateds do have partisan leanings. They absolutely do. And in fact, they lean more towards the right than the left. But but those, those Dems and those Blues in New York, when they saw all those people get bust into New York City... We we got to vote against this. <laughs> so I I think that I think both movements. It, it would be interesting to interview some of their political analysts on the blue side, and ask them how much of the uh, news media pumping the red wave and pumping the busing of illegal immigrants to New York and Martha's Vineyard actually worked to bring out the blue vote. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. And people will have some of this uh, in the exit polling and and post polling. Absolutely. Jim, I do appreciate it. But I I also wonder, thank you for the call. I do wonder, um, now that we're seeing even more breaking of Hispanic voters over to the Republican side, I wonder if now Democrats are going to want to build the wall. I'm thinking that. I'm thinking, yes, I'm thinking they're like, oh, my gosh, they're wait a minute. They're voting what? They're voting Republican. Shut it down! All right, we'll get more of your calls after the news. News Talk 1110-993-WBT.